0: The following sermon is brought to you by New Covenant Community Church, a Bible-based church located on Route 62 east of Johnstown, Ohio. To learn about New Covenant Community Church, visit www.new-covenant.org. Again, that is new-covenant.org. Now, enjoy the message. Amen. God bless you this morning. If you've got a Bible, whether it's a hard copy or on your phone or a tablet, I invite you to go to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, we'll be starting up in verse 11 in just a moment, give you a moment to get there. If you're happy to be in God's house this morning, say amen. Amen. I love God. I love His people. There's nothing quite like getting together and enjoying His presence. We're shifting gears here in the book of 1 Peter. We have been on a series titled Hope, which we're still continuing on in the book of 1 Peter, but now we're talking about submission, specifically submission before God. So if you're in First Peter, in the second chapter, look now to verse 11, where we read, it says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, They may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to the governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. If you believe that God's word is the thing by which we measure truth, say yes. Nobody likes the word submit. Nobody likes to submit. We don't like submitting to authority figures, to parents, to bosses, to teachers, to managers. I don't even, your pastor doesn't even like submitting when it makes perfect sense. Uh, I enjoy working on my own vehicles. It's something I enjoy doing and have for quite some time now. But if there's a job that's beyond my skill level and I don't have the tools to successfully complete the job, I'll take it to my mechanic who will charge me a fair price. And even though I know he's charging me a fair price and I can't do the job and he can, I don't even like submitting to that. It doesn't even make sense. We don't even like the word submission. It just kind of has this icky kind of feel to it. If we were to lump submission in with a bunch of other words simply by how they make us feel, we could come up with a list of words like belch, burp, clogged, cringe, crocs, fecal, fester, fickle, goiter, gurgle, intestines, infested, infected, is anyone nauseous yet? Larva, leakage, mucus, maggots, moist, putrid, queasy, roaches, rats, seepage, secrete, slurp, vomit, viscous, submit like you just you could just lump them all together they're just they're just bad and but there's something that is so special about submission and it's not just God ordaining his people to act a certain way just for the sake of getting along there's something much deeper much more special about submission that we'll see in these coming weeks as we talk about submission before God And to kick it off, you look back to verse 11, which we already read, this kind of serves as a launching pad for the rest of what we'll understand about submission. It says, Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation now in some areas of scriptures when it references gentiles it's specifically talking about people of non-jewish descent but other examples like we see here when it references gentiles it simply is talking about unbelievers people that are not in god's lambs in the lambs book of life they're not redeemed they're not repentant of their sins they're non-believers And we could ask ourselves the question from this text alone of what we've just read of verses 11 and 12 and ask ourselves the question, how is it that some unbelievers will come to glorify God and to know Him as Savior and Lord? And it's simply, the answer is, through our good works. Through our submission. So if you're taking notes, you could write this down. And this will serve as a launching pad for the next several weeks. Our lives impact how others relate to God. Our lives impact how others relate to God. We're told here in these verses that we are sojourners and pilgrims. We're simply going through. Life is not about our happiness. It never has been nor will it ever will be. Are there great joys and blessings in being a child of God? You bet. But that's not the main thing. We see that God's mission here is reaching the lost through our good works, through our submission. Some people would say that a pastor preaching to a congregation who is very warm and welcoming and loving, that preaching a message about submission is nothing more than a mild-mannered pastor preaching a mild-mannered message to a mild-mannered congregation to simply be more mild-mannered. And that's not the goal at all. And I'll even give you the fair warning some of these messages are tough. I finished the message this week and I said, Lord, I don't want to preach this. Submission is a tough topic and this is not for the faint of heart. This is for the toughest among you. So look to your neighbor and poke them in the ribs and say, are you tough? The first piece that we see, look now to the first part of verse 13. It says, therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance, original word, katēsis of man for the Lord's sake. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man. Again, original word, kitesis. That The reason I bring that original word up, and I'm certainly no Greek scholar, but when you look up that word, it tells you that it's specifically talking about the ordinance, the governing, the laws, a government that are administering laws and ordinances that we are to put ourselves under. And the reason why is for the Lord's sake. It's for the Lord's sake that we submit to katesis or the ordinance of man or the governing authority of man. Laws and regulations. We as Christians submit ourselves to those things. So if you're taking notes, you could also write down, we submit to government, its officials and laws for the Lord's sake, which is very simply a paraphrase of the first part of verse 13. And hear me just now, just so I can calm anyone's fears. We obey God before we obey man. In every circumstance. And certainly there are many areas in life and things that the government quote-unquote will say that this is right and this is wrong and no. What we know in God's Word to be true is the final Word. But when it comes to submission and honoring, we submit to government, its officials, and laws for the Lord's sake. And if you notice, it has nothing to do with logic, reasoning, or right. An 18-wheeler semi-truck getting on the highway has much more load capacity and can carry more fuel and go longer distance than the Volkswagen bug that's in the right lane coming right up next to this truck that's trying to merge onto the highway. And the truck, if it wanted to, it could just bounce that little car right off the road. I mean, it is so much heavier, more tires, more capacity. It's so much more than this small, tiny little car. And it could, without any problem, logic would tell you it has no problem with just scooting that thing right over, and that thing will fly right off the highway. But what do we know? We know that the Volkswagen has been given the right-of-way, and that 18-wheeler truck has been given the yield sign. There may be times in our Christian walk when things don't make sense to us with governing laws, authority figures, but we've been given the yield sign and they've been given the right-of-way. You look to the second part of verse 13, it says, whether to the king a supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. And you say, Pastor Ben, we're not Volkswagen Cars and semi-trucks, how does this interact with our lives in a very real way? Um, How many of you remember, we should all remember this, just a few years ago now, uh, the night of the election between Donald Trump and Hillary? Raise your hand if you remember that, like all of us. Yeah, this wasn't very long ago. And if you're like me, I remember thinking that night, you you just think to yourself, you know, about half the country is going to be pretty upset one way or the other. Regardless, regardless of how this goes, there are going to be upset people, period. I mean, that, that much is true, regardless of where you fall on the political spectrum. Some people are going to be upset. And like many of us probably could have presumed if we were to have asked ourselves this question that night prior to knowing who the next president of the United States would be, you could probably say some people are going to be so upset, either regardless of which way this thing goes, there are going to be groups of people who are so upset, there's probably going to be some rioting. And I think there was. I'm no expert on this stuff, and I don't stay as up-to-date as I ought to, but, but it, from what I understand is that there were groups of people who were so incredibly upset with the way it went, and there would have been regardless of it if it went the other way, that there was riots in their own town and burning some things and tearing some things down, and, and they were rabble-rousers. They were, they were causing a ruckus. What I'm convinced of through God's Word is that a Christian, regardless of how much they disagree or agree, should never be amongst a group like that. Ever. That there's no place for that. Why? Because we submit to government, its officials, and laws for the Lord's sake. Not for the sake of whether or not we agree. Not for the sake of whether or not they're even right biblically. Not for the sake of whether or not it makes sense or logic to us in any fashion. We submit for the Lord's sake. How many of you love going to the BMV? I'm glad no one raised their hand because I would call you out as a liar if you'd raised your hand. No one, I, you know, it's probably my least favorite activity. There's something that just seems really weird to me about going in and paying a lot of money for a sticker to put on a car that I already paid for, that I'm driving on roads that I pay taxes for. It just, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, and, and quite honestly, I mean, and I'll just be totally, your pastor will be totally transparent with you all this morning. What I feel like doing, because the reality is, is when I go in that place, there's a, there is a chance, and I'm not being prideful, but there is a chance that I could be more educated than anyone in there. And I, and I may have, I may, I'm truly, I may, you too, you too, you may have better ideas of how that whole system ought to work than anyone there. And what your pastor feels like doing is telling them exactly that. <laughs> And I feel like tell them that their little, you know, this stupid vision machine they got to look into. You know, one guy came in that couldn't pass it, but the other guy that came in that I'm pretty sure was high came in and passed it. And you gave him the ticket, the little sticker thing, whatever. But what do I do? I I take my little number and I sit down, mainly because I don't want to get arrested. But my motivation ought to be, my motivation ought to be. Because it's for the Lord's sake. And how I interact with God, how I submit, very well could be the reason that someone who's unsaved comes to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. There should be no group of people more passionate about road laws, paying the proper taxes, submitting to the law, than Christians. Why? Because it's for the sake of our Lord. That's the reasoning. Ugh, I feel sick just preaching this because it's hard for me. This is, <laughs> this is hard stuff for me to hear, but this is, this is what God's Word says. And we see this played out in some incredibly practical ways. Look to verse 15 now. It says, "...for this is the will of God. It is God's will that I take my number and sit down and wait for the people to in envied to rudely call my name or my number." For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. We said in the beginning when we first started this series on the book of First Peter that this was basically God's words towards his children, his, his loving words and encouraging words of hope and love towards his suffering children under the persecution of Nero who was the Roman emperor at this time. And we see this verse played out by these Christians and in Christians' lives today in just an incredible, special way. Back then, the non-believers in this era when, when Nero was persecuting and killing and imprisoning all these Christians... Uh, The non-believers, the Christians just got blamed for a lot. Not just the fires in Rome like we talked about that Nero blamed the Christians for, but they got blamed for many things. When there were imbalances in the record tax books, the non-believers pointed their finger at the Christians and said, well, the Christians believe in their Bible that there's only one God. And they don't don't recognize the emperor as sovereign or as uh, they don't recognize his rule. So undoubtedly, it's the Christians' fault. They're not paying their taxes. To which the Christians replied, check the record books and see who has given. And truly, they actually found out that the Christians in this time, even though they were under great persecution by the government, they were the ones that paid their taxes. And the, the ignorance of foolish men were silenced because the Christians were doing this because it was the will of God and it was for the Lord's sake. They were submitting in this way. I know of a pastor in a church in the Cincinnati area, a uh, large church, very large church. They had no debt requirements whatsoever. We are a very generous church, gave tons of money away. And they decided that something they wanted to do was in front of their church build a statue of Jesus. And it was expensive, but in ratio to their yearly budget, it was peanuts. I mean, it was nothing compared to what they give away just freely to the community. And, and word got out about how much they spent on this Jesus statue in front of their church and the pastor of this church was interviewed by one of the local radio stations. And the radio show host said, Pastor, word has gotten out about how much your church spent on that statue. And, and some of the other leaders in this community are a little upset that you spent that much money because that money could have gone towards other needs that are in this community currently. To which the pastor replied and said, This church gives millions to this community and to people in need all over the world. The people that are bellyaching and upset about how much we spent on our statue don't give a dime to any of those things. And the radio show host, as the rest of the community, had nothing else to say, as you might imagine. The ignorance of foolish men was put to silence by the good works, by the obedient, submissive works of God's people. So if you want to go back in your notes, simply underline where it says our lives impact how others relate to God. So church, make no mistake that when you go to a restaurant and you pray before your meal, which I certainly hope that you do, the waitress and the people that saw you praying are watching. Because raise your hand if you've ever heard it said before that uh, that waiters and waitresses don't like working on Sunday afternoon because the church crowd is historically a bad tipper. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that. A few of us have heard that before. I'm not so sure that's true. Just in a very quick search that I did this past week, I found that Ethics Daily says that Christians are twice as likely to adopt a child. The University of Indiana's philanthropy panel study found that Christians were twice as likely to give to nonprofits organizations, besides their own church, were twice as likely to give to individuals like homeless people, college students, people that just needed money. Twice as likely is about what it said. So I'm not so sure that it's true that Christians are historically bad tippers but that notion is out there and you'll see and hear an unbeliever say well christians never i don't like they don't tip too good and it's just what if we church as new covenant community church that every time we step foot into a restaurant that we left a tip that made the waiter or waitress say whoa that's a good tip all of a sudden should there be ignorance in foolish men we'd be silencing it by our submissive good works to point to god Now, look back to your Bibles, look to verse 16. And there's some difficult language here, but we'll we'll unpack it together. It says, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. As free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. In case you're wondering, the the NIV version says it like this a little bit more plainly. It says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up. Undoubtedly, church, you will run into people, sadly, that will say, I'm saved, therefore I can go get drunk, and God will forgive me. I'm saved, I believe in Jesus, therefore I can go and fornicate, and God will forgive me. I'm saved, therefore it's okay for me to be loose in my relationship with my wife and be flirtatious with the secretary at work, but God will forgive me because I'm saved. Church, make no mistake, the proper answer to that person is you're not saved. People, God knows that people have used and will continue to use their freedom as a cover-up. That they've been freed from sin so, therefore, they think they can go live however. And that is simply not the case. You can write this down it says, Our freedom is for obedience and service to God. Our freedom is for something. Last week we covered verses 9 and 10, which says, You are a chosen generation holy priesthood, a royal nation, a holy priesthood, chosen, royal, holy, and special. Why? So that you may proclaim the praises of Him who called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. Our freedom was purchased for us not just for the sake of our freedom and living however we want. Our freedom was purchased so that we can be obedient and serve God in the most freeing life that There is. Do not live as free people and use your freedom as a cover-up. No, you use your freedom to serve God, to submit to government, to submit authority, to submit to laws for the Lord's sake. These things interact with how people see God. It could very well be that the reason that... It could very well be, church, that us obeying traffic laws... This doesn't make sense to us, but this is what God's Word teaches. It it very well could be that us obeying traffic laws could lead to someone coming to knowledge of the truth that otherwise would not have. It very well could be that us paying the proper taxes could cause someone to go from death to life who otherwise would not have. There is a direct relationship between our submission and God's mission in reaching a lost and dying world. There's a great story over in Luke chapter 17. Of the ten lepers. Jesus is traveling about and the ten lepers, the people that have leprosy on their bodies, they start calling out to Jesus to save them. And Jesus does something miraculous. He says, go and show yourself to the priests. You've been made well. And the Bible says that as they they went, that they were made whole and clean and, and Jesus had healed them and saved them. And if you remember the story, there was one of the ten that came back to give God glory. Great story. Luke chapter 17. You better read that today. It's a wonderful, wonderful story of God's grace and His mercy. And, and we, when we read that story, we always focus in on the one who came back to give glory to God. So undoubtedly when God does a work among His people and He gives us great, gracious compassion and He saves us and He heals us, undoubtedly a huge piece of that is the, so that we can go and proclaim the praises of Him who called us out of darkness and into His marvelous light. But if you're like me, I always read the beginning part of that story too quickly. Because what did Jesus say? He says, here's ten lepers. You're now healed. Go show yourselves to the priests that are persecuting me. Go show yourselves to the priests who are conspiring against me. Go show, go show the gracious, merciful compassion and power of God to the people who hate me. Church... God's work in our lives, us submitting to Him for the Lord's sake, it has a direct relationship with God's mission and calling a lost, dark, dying world. And just something to note here is that it would have been totally within God's right for Him to simply say, all ten of them should have come here and worship Me. I healed them. I'm their God. I'm their Savior. It, It would have been perfectly just and right for Jesus to say, come and just worship Me And that's it, but we see two components, the worship of God and God's love for the unsaved people, for the people who don't know him. And our actions, our obedience, our submission, it has to do with whether or not some Gentiles, some unbelievers, that they may come to know and glorify God. So church, let us join God in His work. Yes, being a Christian, being saved of God means that we worship Him with our lives, with everything we have. We want to be like the one of the ten lepers who were healed to go back and to fall on our knees before Jesus and say, God, thank You for cleansing me. We, we want to be that. that. That is the mark of a Christian that we worship God in that way. But can I just say that this idea of submission before God for the Lord's sake and these other avenues that God has instituted, whether they believe in Him or not or agree with biblical principles or not, of us functioning in society in this non ruckus causing non-rabble-rousing way and doing right for the Lord's sake. It is directly tied not only to our worship of God, but also to God reaching the world. So will we church join Him in His work? Will we put to silence the ignorance of foolish men who have all sorts of bad things they love saying about Christians? Will we tip well? Will we pay our taxes properly? Will we obey traffic laws? These are more than just God keeping His thumb on us. No, it's a freeing life of being used of God and his mission and church don't get me wrong I, I'm not disciplining anyone here we I can, I'm floored by how gracious you all are in supporting kids with the shoeboxes and Thanksgiving meals to families and all the th- I mean I'm just I'm floored by that but I know for me I'm preaching to me as I think of the other things that God has instituted that he wants me to submit to God wants to use those things too And boy, does that go in opposition to my prideful heart. So what will it be for us, church? Look now to verse 17 as we get ready to close. And Brianna, you can come now. Verse 17. It says, honor all people. Say those three words with me. Ready, set, go. Honor all people. The waitress. The person at the gas station, the person at the coffee shop, regardless if they agree with you, regardless if they look like you, regardless if they're transgender, homosexual, vote differently than you, think differently than you, it honor all people. God intends to reach them. Some of them will come to know him through us honoring them. Doesn't mean we agree with them, doesn't mean we condone them, doesn't mean we support their unlawful by the standard of God activities. Not at all. But we honor them as image bearers of God. Love the brotherhood. Say those three words with me. Ready, set, go. Love the brotherhood. And oh, I think we do this well, but can we always strive to love each other? To care for one another's needs? that we would just reflect the glory and the love of God to this world, to our community, to Johnstown and Utica and and Columbus and and, and further than that, because they see that at New Covenant Community Church, we love each other. We care about each other. That when when one person is sick, that we visit them, that we call them, that we text them, that we take care of them, there, that we love each other, that we love the brotherhood. Fear God. Next part. Everyone say those words with me. Fear God. We fear God above all else. Yes, we submit in the way that God asks us to. Why? Because He asks us to. We fear Him. He's our God. He's an all-consuming fire. He's a loving, gracious King. We fear Him. And lastly, it says, Honor the King. Say those words with me. Honor the King. Something I've been impressed by a God that deserves all praise, rightly so. A God that is high and lifted up. A God that is so great. A God whose ways are higher than our ways and understanding is higher as higher than our understanding as the heavens are above the earth. He's a selfless God. He's he's not even greedy. Because he says, yes, worship me, but also serve the people, honor them, let your light shine before them, serve and love other people. Jesus could have had the disciples wash his feet, but he washed theirs. So church, let us be about the work that God has given us to do that we are succeeding in. And I'm grateful for as a pastor that we're gracious in so many of these areas. But, church, let us also, these hard areas, I told you, these are, these are not easy things to submit to some of these things. And let those things never be among us that would cause a ruckus and an issue. And let us, by our good works and submission before God, put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Let us love them and honor them. Would you stand with me? Father your great god and it's so wonderful god that you have put these ministries and things in in front of us and god i thank you for that you would you would call our hearts and compel our hearts to be devoted to the certain things that you've given us to do but god for these hard things these things that require us to quench our pride these things that require us to to do things for Your sake, things that may not make sense to us and may not seem logical. God, let us do it for Your sake. That's enough for us, God. Regardless of how painful, regardless of how difficult, because it's for Your sake. Let us realize, God, that our actions before You very well may lead unbelievers to You. That there is a place in your heart for a lost world that you want us to reach them with our obedience and our lives before you. Help us to see that truth so clearly this morning, God. Thank you for the cross that will redeem us to this great work, this humbling work. Thank you for making us yours, Jesus. It's in your great name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Let's sing and respond to the Lord.